And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 343 of This Old Marketing for September 29th, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and, you know, a guy who is truly gutted that Instagram and Facebook have banned Pornhub, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? I, I know you're, you're, you're gutted by this whole I thing. I am. It's, uh, it's actually very challenging for me overall because I don't know where to go. Yeah. I, I can't go direct. Yeah. No, I you like can't go, go direct. You always wanted entities. to keep that sort of veil of uh, a little bit of, you know, uh, obscurity, I guess would be the right word. Speaking of Instagram, I want to rant just for a second. I, I've got a, a person that has taken Joe Polizzi with two L's and they literally, so they created the account on Instagram and then they messaged every one of my friends on Instagram. Not everyone, but most of them. So I'm getting for the last week. Everyone says, is this you? Is this you? Should I report? Whatever. And I'm like, yes, it's not me. Because as you can tell, it's P-U-L-L-I-Z-Z-I. And it says located in Nigeria. That's not <laughs> that's not well, me. But I'm very thankful yeah. that everyone's reaching out and reporting. I, I think we've got it under control. I actually just saw a post from Drew Davis. Same thing happened. It's just, it's crazy. I think it's going around. Yeah, no, I think it's going around. It's crazy. It's it's tough to, it can happen to anyone and you only need a, you know, a letter or two. And it's very difficult for the big social networks to move quickly on this stuff. Yes. Or at all. Or at all. I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that they don't, take they down. don't. Just like, oh, let's just you're, get rid of all the blitzies. Let's get rid of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that happened to people. I, I, I have I have heard that happening to people where basically what they do is they sort of, you know, it's a little King Solomon-like and they just sort of take everybody down until they figure it out. Um, you know, or they, they take away your access, basically. They don't necessarily take the, take the public-facing channel down. What they do is they just take your access away from it down and put you in, you know, Instagram jail or Facebook yep. jail until they sort sort it out. That's, you know. Well, the harder part and what's happening to a friend of mine right now is if somebody gets into your account, it's very hard to Yo, get that that's back. a whole that's the worst. Yeah, that's a whole different it's thing. It's been weeks yeah. since she hasn't had her account back and it's it's, you know. What are you going to do? Again, they, you're yeah. just one little yeah. account to them. It's very hard for them to it, to move. On that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it gets, it speaks to this whole idea where, you know, (laughs) it's funny because, I mean, this is definitely your okay boomer moment, but those that are older, and I mean, older than us in in many cases, you know, I I get this all the time from, from that sort of, that, that, uh, that cohort, if you will, of, you know, they're in, they're outraged and infuriated that Facebook doesn't have customer service, right? That there's no that you know there is no person to call. There is no, you know, you can't you can't just call somebody and have them fix it for you because it's not a traditional service. You know, you're not paying for anything, so there's nothing for them to do. And and the fact that they have you know really reduced your interface of quote unquote customer service down to a chat bot and maybe an email, you know, or you know, or submit you know through a form on the website. It speaks. It speaks volumes about where the customer experience is these days for some of these platforms. True. Here's the. Here's my. And I've got all kind. I've got so many rants in this episode. We're gonna. So here's my next rant. So as you Uh-oh. as all you right. know, one of our family members passed away, and they yes. received the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. So I have. Yeah. I have to go online and cancel these things. You know what? Yeah. You can't cancel online. No. They will not let you do that. That's right. You can sign up online, and they will take That's your right. money online, but you cannot That's right. cancel. You have to actually go through a human being, call them, and I mean, it wasn't too much trouble because once you say that the subscriber has deceased, 
they're pretty good about it. So I have to say sure. that. Like that's the I mean, I'm not making light of the situation, but if you ever needed an excuse for unsubscribing to something, if you say the person dis- is deceased, they pretty much let you off the hook. They're like, they don't say, yeah, why are you, right. are you sure? Can we give you another offer? They don't do any of that. They just close the account. But I think that's a problem. I think if you were, I think you should be able to cancel anything digitally today, but you can't, you can't with a print subscription. Oh. No. Okay, get me on get me on a rant. <clears throat> so I am now paying for so because th- th- it, it's not just like it's not just the consumer services as well. It's the it's the B two B services. So there is a data provider. Um, I'm thinking about whether I want to throw them. Why don't you just say a data provider? Bus. Yes, just a data a data provider. Uh, that might have the word Zoom and info in it. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's how about that, that? was a really See, I did good, it without doing it. That was yeah, very gentleman buried in their T's and C's. So that's not a it's not a cheap thing, by the way. You know, a yearly subscription is you know in the tens of thousands of dollars. And I my my company my little company bought a, a license to it because we were doing a research project. We were not using it to spam people. We were doing it to to do research on. Uh, total addressable market and numbers and those sorts of things by job titles and it's a you know it was a decent tool for that particular project and by the way not what it's built for when I told the salespeople that's what I wanted to use it for they were you know they were confused and shocked that I didn't want to spam people so I was like no nah, I don't want to spam people I just want to understand the analytics and uh, and so I did the project was done didn't think much of it then basically uh, the uh, right at the renewal time, I get an email from the salesperson saying, hey, by the way, I want to go over all the new features with you to basically work through, you know, what you're going to do next year. And I went, oh, I'm not renewing. We don't, you know, as you can see, we haven't logged in since we finished this project and, you know, we're done with mm-hmm. it. And he said, well, if you check your terms and conditions, it's an automatic renewal unless you tell us that you're canceling 60 days beforehand. Oh, no way. 60 yeah. days. And st- Come 60 on. days. Yeah. So, 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 and this was like 45 out, like four, you know, 45 out. And I'm like, and so I was, you know, appropriately furious and emailed back and forth with them. And they sent me the contract that I had signed, you know, and so bad on me. I didn't read every word of it and didn't, you know, it was, it's my fault, definitely my fault. But, you know, the fact that I was like, all right, look, it was, fif- you know, we're 15 days over here, you know, cut me a break, you know, we're a small business, et cetera. And they were like, no, we're not going to cut that you nothing? a break. The best that, no, well, here's the best they, we finally, after going back and forth, they said, we'll renew you till the end of the year, which is the end of this year. And we'll set up a new contract without an automatic renewal in it. So I had to pay half of what I paid. Um, so, because I got renewed for six months, basically, and now I'm going to get out of it at the end of the month. So, which seemed like a, you know, I mean, I actually talked to a lawyer and the whole thing, and they were oh like, yeah, they were like, yeah, I mean, if, if they take you to court, you're going to lose because you did sign the contract. And I'm like, yeah, I did. It's just an awful, awful customer experience and makes me never want to use that service again. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's the same. It's, it's customer experience on cancellations is broken for a lot of and people. of course we have no one that uses that kind of service that listens to this podcast so this will not backfire on them at all no no, no. absolutely nobody will yeah. ever i mean and by the way if you do use that service please do go check your 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 t's and c's and make sure that you if you're thinking of canceling do so you know and there's tons of stuff online by the way i'm i'm not breaking news here if you just go search for that company and you know the this sort of contract thing. There are plenty of people out there who fell to the same thing. That's ridiculous. They should just make it easy. See, it's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. We should do something about this. By the way, uh, as you know, I'm, I think our next 10, this old marketings, I'm going to be on the road. So I'm just <laughs> telling you, <laughs> right. well, it's yeah, going to be nuts. Exactly. But I found, so I, the last time I, I did uh, this old marketing on the road, I brought my, my road, boom, whatever, and it connects to the mic, and it worked great. Yeah. But the pro- but now I'm yeah. traveling really light, and I couldn't bring that. So I found that if you take a regular coffee cup and you take some brawny, and it has to be brawny towels, like the extra tough ones, the ones you see in the commercials that if you get them wet, they don't yep. tear. 
and you scrunch it in the coffee cup and then you stick the mic into the coffee cup, it actually works really well and it tilts very nicely. That's what I'm, I'm actually speaking to you. I'm looking at you right now. You're in a coffee cup and I just wanted to tell you that's <laughs> I'm in a coffee cup. I actually am literally in a coffee cup right now. Yeah, I'm 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 on my second cup of coffee here. You know what I also find works very very well for those situations? Um and I often do this when I'm on the road in a in a hotel is a stack of books. If you can find a stack of books and what you do is you put the microphone between like, you know, so you stack up the books higher than your head and then you put the mic between like the fifth and sixth book so that it's right at your face level. Which, by the way, sounds good unless you're in a hotel room that doesn't have books. I, I actually, well, there right is, now I do yeah, have books. Yes. But, all right, that's yeah. good to know because sometimes because I might not have a coffee cup or brawny extra strength. Also, in the hotel, the ice uh, bucket. The ice bucket does the same, same situation. Put a pillow in into the ice bucket. This is fantastic. This is the best part of yeah, the show these... right now where people are like, we've got to figure this thing out. Before we get on... Because if you do the pillow in the ice bucket, by the way, the pillow in the ice bucket, the top of the pillow will act as a bit of a baffle for your sound uh, uh, silencing. Oh, that's very nice. I feel like this is like a new version, like part two of, of yeah. planes, trains, and automobiles. Zoom hacks. It, with the, with the... Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose bring you Zoom hacks with, for well, your microphone. And the pillows and the whole thing. Is kind of yeah. It's kind of strange. Before we get on to the show, uh, congratulations yes. to your Cowboys, who finally oh, found yes. their running game, and it's a weird way to they win. They did, but you are winning. They did, they did, and and I should say your your Browns showed up. The Brownies showed up. I was at that game, and uh, yeah, and it was very good that they won because if yes. they didn't win that game, there was a there was a scare though. There was a scare toward the end there. It was like, I had to imagine, I, I I was watching the game, and I was looking for you, by the way, on the television, um, and the uh, at, toward the end there, when they scored that last, and it was like, oh, okay, <laughs> it was like, it was just, I have to imagine there was a little bit of unease in the stadium. A little bit? We always, yeah. I mean, we, we lo- the last game we lost, as, as everyone here knows, we had a 13-point lead with a minute 20 seconds left, and we lost that game. So yeah. anything else outside of you know 28-point lead with two minutes, we always feel, as Browns fans, that we're going to lose. But Cle- yeah. Cleveland sports right now is up because you got the Guardians that just clinched their playoff spot. you got the Browns that are 2-1 yep. and one with uh, Jacoby Brissett. Yep. Everybody's feeling real good about that. And then you've got... Yep. Uh, you've got the Cavs that just signed their new star. Uh, you know, some people think uh, I didn't even know what his name is. Donovan, who's the name? I don't know who they got. Anyways, I'm not following yeah. basketball. Well, yet. and and by the way, CEX is going to be in Cleveland. So oh. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's all coming together. God bless you. you see yes. what I did there? We, see how I did that? That was very nice. Yeah, we forgot in all of the hubbub of us figuring out when we're going to do this old marketing. I did not tell people listening to this that. There's a big announcement, Creator Economy Expo 2023 next year will be in my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. We're all very excited. It'll be May 1st to 3rd. So if you go to cex.events, you can check it out, uh, get your, uh, you know, your, your best pricing right now. I would love to see you in Cleveland. Um, we're expecting, yeah, I hope, you know, over 500 people this year for our second year of the event, if you're a, a writer, blogger, podcaster, content creator of any time, any kind of, you know, takes this thing seriously like we do. You know, we want to see you there. I, I am, I really, really believe that Robert Rose is going to speak at this event next year. I really have a good feeling because I, I know, you know the person who's in charge of the agenda planning. Ah, I see. Yes, I can make these good. decisions oh, or somebody I, that I know. I'm, I'm ex- <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm very excited about the whole situation. On multiple levels. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So thank you for that. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. Absolutely. Good and good. Absolutely. Should we get to a show? I don't care if you want to. 
Yeah. I'm gonna. I <laughs> have more rants. I'm just. I'm just letting everybody. <laughs> I know. don't care. I'm well, in let's mood. just keep those rants. Yeah, let's keep the rants coming. We'll just get to our show and just you know and just just we can always just go on a sidetrack rant. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about a few things uh, in uh, today's episode. We'll talk about how the world is sort of coughing up hairballs of Web three metaverse and NFTs, but. Disney is actually wrapping a whole big corn dog around it, and just loving the whole thing. Um, big corn dog. We're going to pair that with a story around uh, how Bob Chapek uh, is uh, actually his big plans for Disney and Disney Plus. Um, some really interesting media news there. Then we'll talk about how social media giants, and that includes, of course, the YouTube, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, they're changing the terms of the deal and pray they don't change it any further. Um, we'll also talk about Be Real and how it's getting real. The Be Real is getting real and maybe considering some different ways of monetizing instead of advertising. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then if we have time toward the end here, we'll talk about long form content and how long form content isn't dead. It's only mostly dead. Um, and uh, there's some new research coming out from HubSpot that actually talks a little bit about that. So good show, I think, and filled with fun, snarky rants um, of our own making. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Good. That's what we got. That's what we got. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, and let's jump into it. Uh, by the way, we should also just throw out a big old hug and safety to all of you in the path of Ian. Um, I have friends and family there in uh, in the east coast of Florida and in Orlando and basically I've been hearing that it's okay that there's a lot of flooding there's a lot of storm surge there's a lot of damage but it seems like it's moving fast enough that it's you know that that we're going to be okay everybody I've talked to anybody has said yeah it's it kind of sucks but it's you know we're all safe basically so yes. for those of you who are there please be safe Please be well, and we wish the very best for you, sending you all sorts of uh, thoughts. There you um, go. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on with our first story here, and that is coming to us courtesy of Coindesk. And the headline is that Disney's latest job posting hints at big plans for NFT and crypto adoption. They're looking for lawyers and other kinds of things to help them with all of these things. And the story opens up by saying the Walt Disney Company posted job listings on Friday for a principal council specializing in non-fungible tokens. That should be easy to fill. Uh, and decentralized finance, DeFi, hinting at its broader Web3 experience expansion across the Disney ecosystem. The full-time position, which operates with the legal department of the Walt Disney Company, calls for an experienced corporate attorney to work on transactions involving emerging technologies, including NFTs, blockchain, metaverse, decentralized finance. The position would provide guidance on global NFT products across the company's business branches, including Disney Media, Disney Parks, experiences, and products, to ensure compliance with U.S. and international laws and regulations. Specifically, the position would evaluate Evaluate securities law issues in connection with the promotion and sales of NFTs. That, to me, gives the biggest hint. That last line gives the biggest hint of what they're doing. But it also, I'm not sure, this might be a story looking for a story, um, because I'm not sure that this, you know, hiring one lawyer could just then be saying, hey, we just kind of want some insight into this, not necessarily big plans or anything. But the story does go on to talk about how it's got an accelerator program going on and is looking to uh, get into the Polygon network and all sorts of other things. What do you think about this, Mr. Crypto Guy? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, uh, Coindesk, I don't know who's running their website right now, but I think that they hired the person from Forbes to run their ads. Because <laughs> if I, oh, there we go. Seriously, I'm in this article right now and I'm scrolling down and the, it's like before you, you got to go like halfway down before you get more than an inch and a half of space to read something because there's ads everywhere. So this is a this yeah, is like, it's this is a publication about decentralized finance, and there's ads. Ev I'm just come on, come on, CoinDesk. I can't no, no, it's read. bad. Yeah, it's 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 getting thing. bad. Yeah. So I got a couple takes on this. Yeah. First of all, the the big winner over the next twelve to eighteen months will be legal services. When it comes to totally. uh, Web3 and all these companies, because every major, every Fortune 500 company is going to have to work with multiple lawyers to figure out, okay, what's intellectual property? What is digital property? 
rights mean? What do we need to be doing? What's legal? All that stuff. So that's that's a thing we know it's going to happen. I think Disney is in a very unique position because of the fact that they're they're in the content experience business. They need to be front running with this. Our friend Brian Fanzo just did a whole presentation with the Disney folks he was posting and on social media. So they're obviously, you know, talking about this thing that's important. They've got experts coming in talking about it. Um, I the whole NFT thing, like I know you go to the bottom of this article, so, oh, NFTs and whatever. I still believe that in 12 to 18 months to 24 months, we're not even going to be using the NFT or non-fungible tokens as a term. It's just going to be a technology that's going to get people to these digital content experiences. That's that's what I think it's going to See, we're all focused on, oh, fungible tokens, non-fungible tokens, social tokens, these names that are not even going to... Ha- it's it's almost like Alta Vista. Like nobody, <laughs> the first, you know, Lycos. These are, these are things that happened in Web 1 that... Whatever we sure. call them, what they are now, but they're not going to be there. I, I, well, it's like hyper. It's it's it, it. The the metaphor would be more like hypertext, you know, protocol, yes, right? You're right. You know, or you know, or SMTP or FTP, right? FTP is being a good one, right? So file transfer protocol. We used to, you know, very in the very early days, we'd say, oh, what you know, what are you using for your FTP client, right? And then it's uh, suddenly it became just part of the browser, right? It was just you know, you just you just dragged it in and it was there. Yeah. No, thank you for that. You're absolutely right, and I'm completely wrong. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, of course, as usual. As usual. Well, as as usual. usual. So thank yeah. you for coming to the rescue with that one. But here's where I think that they're – let's say that this is actually a thing, that, that this is the start yeah. of it or whatever the case is. I believe that digital property, merchandise, experiences are – I mean, this is all going – to tokenization web three in some way, shape, or form. We we're not gonna we're not gonna know that that's the case, but that's going to happen. I believe everyone's going to have a digital wallet. Our medical records are going to be that way. When I want a ticket to event, it's going to happen through my digital wallet. We're not gonna say, oh, I got an NFT of my ticket, or I got an NFT of this Toy Story thing that Disney put out. You're just going to have access to some content experience through this. So this is 1996, think, 1997 in yeah. Web3, and these companies need to prepare for it just like they were preparing for their first website. I, I, think, you're, I think you're absolutely right. And to me, th- where I don't see a lot of focus right now is that last bit that you just said that somebody, and it probably needs to be Apple and Google, need to come up with a consumer facing wallet that actually works and and works easily because in order for this technology to really take off i think you've got to have something where people can literally open up their phone open up the thing that's on the you know like literally the wallet on your on your iphone and see all your nft tickets and your you know all the things that you've purchased um, and probably have some sort of desktop app as well, but the you know the the more important one I think is probably the phone. So that you're right, you know, <clears throat> you issue an NFT ticket for Disneyland or for access to this thing, and it's just it's just something on your phone as you have in your wallet. And you can back it up, and it's always going to be there. You can transfer it from device to device. That's right. It's, you you know it. And you can see the value of it. You know, there's a value of it in your wallet. You know, so it's just the technology. That part of it is just, that's the part that's so broken right now. You know, I mean, you and I are dealing with this in the, in the, most, in the most direct way with our social tokens. That's right. And, the, you know, we're, we're using a particular service right now to provide that social token. And it's like, yeah, that it's relatively easy. But it's a centralized platform that's basically providing that social token. And moving to something more decentralized or actually moving to something that is more direct, a direct relationship, not through some you know, middleman, is difficult right now because it, just the wallet side of it is complex. It, it's hard. It's, it's just, 
it's you know it's 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 i can remember back in the day you know trying to install netscape browser using you know multiple cds and you'd go to the store and you you know i mean and it wasn't it wasn't just simple and then it got simple and then it got really simple and then it just sort of came as part of the i mean everybody freaked out when it came as part of your operating system in windows Right, you know, all of a sudden, you, there was a browser there, and that never existed before, and it just came mm-hmm. as part of your operating system, and people went, "Oh, right, that's of course the that's the way it's supposed to work," and that's what's going to need to happen, I think, for for this no, thing to take off. It's worth talking about, actually. I just finished; I'm doing a presentation on the social token business model for Michael Stelzner's uh, crypto business conference, which is October eighth, ninth, something like that. In San Diego. So I'm, I'm finishing that up and I'm doing a whole thing on technology because it's important. And you and I are going through this right now. If you want the Web 2-ish experience, if if you're looking at Rally or you're looking at Minted, that is basically just takes an email address and it's really, really easy to use, that's great. You can onboard people very quickly. But you're really not – it's really not a Web 3 thing. If you really right. want that's a right. Web 3, so, the whole social token – uh, ERC twenty token, like really do the thing, and you want to look at something like a coin vise or something like a roll, or what some of our friends are doing. And I don't want to get too technical, but they're you know they're moving to Solana, and there's a lot of development work needed to do. It's tough to get people to like. You have to work at it to get your digital yeah. wallet to figure this thing out to transfer and get your tokens and to figure out how to do it. So I think right now I've got something like twenty. We've got twenty three hundred token holders for Tilcoin. If if it wasn't as easy to do that, it would be a small percentage of that that could actually figure out how to get the phantom wallet and do all the things and or whether it's MetaMask. It's it's a real challenge right now. I totally agree with you. I I'm hoping that Google or Apple, I would rather see Apple do it because I think Apple would do it. Well, they both job. have to. I mean, they, I mean they I mean Apple has to do it for iPhone and Google would have to do it for Android. You know, so and that would cover you know whatever seventy eighty percent of the market. Just buy so, MetaMask, buy MetaMask, and Appleify it, right? Just because <laughs> they, well, they're the or leading. Or just do it, wallet. or just do it. Because let's, I mean, the, I mean, I'm, 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 I may be maybe getting a little ahead of my skis here, but I just don't think the technology is that complicated. It doesn't. I'm, I don't yeah, think, I'm, and it, I don't think a MetaMask is that complicated. Making a wallet, I don't think, is that complicated. It's well. There's a, there's the security. I mean, I'm not a tech person. I agree. But a no, lot agree. Of security that the security that goes is into the this. yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. But if there's if there's a company that knows security from the consumer side, it's Apple. Yeah. Well, and especially maybe since, Google. Especially right. since the, well, especially since Apple is leading privacy first. I mean, their lead, their ads right. are all about exactly. privacy. I mean, this would be a perfect fit. This is, it's especially going into yes. Web three and privacy is a big thing. It's funny. I was talking with somebody at Content Marketing World about this, and they're like, well, you know, if you do an NFT program and you have people that have purchased your NFT, it's like, well, I don't I don't know who they are. I'm like, no, you don't know their name, and you don't maybe don't know their email address. You don't know anything about them, like where they live, but you know what you know? You have access to 100% of their buying history inside that wallet. That's What's right. more valuable? That's exactly right. That's where I think marketers That's don't right. understand the power of Web3 because if I go ahead and buy your, let's say I go and buy Disney's NFT and I use my main wallet to do that, they can see all the other stuff that I buy. Like, That's oh right. Oh my God. What's a better way to uh, well, target than that? You know what's so funny is because this this, this is a Web2 issue as well. One of the things that I've, I've been continually talking about to my B2B uh, clients is, you know, as you know, because I've been on a rant for the last, you know, I don't know, six months, 12 months on first party data. Yeah. And, you know, the immediate thing, the knee jerk reaction is thinking about first party data is great. I want their name, their title, their company, their email address, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, email address, I kind of buy because it's a unique identifier that, you know, you can use to reach them through your, your email newsletter. But do you really care? what their name is like does the does their name really do you need their name in order to serve them better content no you don't need their name nope you don't need to know their title you know you maybe you glean something from the domain for their email address but you kind of don't even need to know that either you just need to have the ability to reach them what you really want 
in first party data is their intent. What are they what are they intending to do? What is their current state of their journey? And that doesn't come by gating a piece of content with first name, last name, title. That comes from giving them value through content to say, hey, take this poll, take this, you know, play this game, get this paper, look at this, you know, piece of content, all that interactivity so that you can serve them better content to help them take a better journey. You only care about their name when they're ready to buy something from you. And that's that's a different kind of mindset to look at first party data because you're so right when you start thinking about the wallet and the obfuscation of personally identifiable data then it's okay it's it's okay for us as marketers because we don't really need to know that what we really want to know is do where are you in your journey and how can i help you along it it's it's so crazy i didn't understand the power of this until so we have i don't know what we have like 53 of our NFTs sold for our lifetime tickets for Creator Economy Expo, and I and I talked to G, who's running the whole thing for us, and I said, G, how, how can I tell what these people have purchased before? So he said, Great. He says you have access to their wallets wherever they're at. He says you could go ahead, and then he showed me. He's like, here's all the other NFT programs that your buyers are a part of, and I got the whole list in front of me. I'm like, you're kidding me. It's like, yeah. You have all the buyer be, buyer information for all the other NFT programs they've done. And this is, we're in early stages and I already have that information. It's like, oh my <laughs> right, God, exactly. this is crazy. So I don't, yeah, you're, I don't know their names. And in some cases I don't have their email addresses and some I do if they registered for the event and they gave them sure, to me. Yeah. But you yeah, don't yeah, have to. Yeah. You don't have to. Right. So... It's, it's the next generation of progressive profiling. It, it really is. It's like getting the information you need when you need it. You know, everybody always thinks about progressive profiling, about how we can, you know, more quickly gather the personally identifiable data. No, you, you get the data you need when you need it. In the very beginning, the only thing you want to be able to do is serve them better experiences. As they move through their journey, yes, you want to know a little bit more about them so that you know when they've attended a webinar and you can reach them through email. A little later, you want their name because you want to be able to have a salesperson address them by you know their first name or whatever, and so on and so forth. Through their journey, you can basically build your, your, your view and to be able to, if you just take a different motivation about it, right? The different motivation is not so that you can convert more. The different motivation is how do I help this person more? How do I give more value to this person by knowing more about them? And if you just shift your motivation to that, it really just changes the entire game of how you use data to deliver better experiences and succeed. And that's going to be the big change is the privacy of if I want to share my name, my location, I will do that as part of my digital wallet. I'll be able to set that myself instead instead of that privacy being held by six or seven huge companies that can take you that decide, right? It. The consumer decides and pushes a button, says, "Yes, share my share my name now, share that's my right. email address, share this." Yeah, so that's powerful stuff, and and we're we're a couple of years away from that really, really going full blown. But the technology needs to start now. So, yeah. All right, let's let's move on to the next story here, which is going to be dealing with social media, speaking of rented land, as it were. Um, and this comes to us courtesy of The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, the headline here is, Social Media Giants to Top Creators, Your Terms of Service Have Changed. And then I added, of course, you know, pray they not change further um, to pull in, you know, a little Darth Vader there. Um, <laughs> anyway, the article opens up, uh, you know. I mean, J.K. Kalinowski is the only person who got that joke. But anyway, uh, as short-form video explodes, YouTube, Twitch, Snap, and other tech platforms are reasserting leverage with influencers in the area that matters most, how to divvy up subscription and ad revenues. The story goes on to say, as creators increasingly diversify their presence across all major social platforms, companies like YouTube and Twitch are completely rewriting the rules around revenue sharing and rethinking just how generous they should be with their content partners. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. shocked it's this. shocking. September 20th, YouTube, led by Susan Wojcicki? Wojcicki? That's right. Wojcicki. Yeah. I think Woj- that's it. Yeah. yeah. Wojcicki? No. Wojcicki. Yeah. Anyway. It rhymes with hickey. <laughs> Oh, no, it didn't go there. All right. Unveiled a series of creator-driven announcements, including a plan to bring its secret sauce. They really did use the word secret sauce. It's revenue sharing model to its short form product, shorts. But there's a catch. 
while longer form YouTube videos pay out 55% of their ad revenue to creators and 45% to YouTube, the short form version flips that. Only 45% of total revenue going to creators. The rest covers the cost of music licensing. I'm shocked. Creators' payouts will be determined (laughs) by their contribution to the total shorts views every 30 days, which means that as more users upload shorts, it could become difficult for a user to take up a larger percentage of total viewership, likely leading to even lower revenues for influencers. The next day, Twitch shocked its user base with an update to its revenue-sharing model, uh, and so on and so forth. And then it goes on to talk a little bit about Meta, Reels, uh, Facebook, and Instagram, of course, they're in, and then, of course, TikTok uh, as well. So all of them seem to be reasserting their sort of influence to say, basically, hey, you know, as, as it's, I mean, I guess it's basic supply and demand here, but they're basically saying, you know, you, you, uh, we, we own you basically. So what do you think about this? Uh, because this is, this affects your, your crowd very much. Yeah. It, there, there is a, uh, a bear market afloat in the creator economy. And we've seen this happen. If you look at just, Oh, that's interesting way to putting it. That's yeah. exactly what it's at. And we've already seen the, so when, when you saw, uh, Netflix, well, we talked about a couple of weeks ago that they're spending less money on buying some of these big shows. You're seeing these big budgets come down. So that was the big key. It's like, oh, okay, well, this is happening in big media. Well, now it's starting to happen in the creator economy. These The big deals yeah, that were there before are not there like they were before. And TikTok is the big mover and why YouTube and Twitch are making these moves because TikTok pays almost nothing. And they don't have yeah. to. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. TikTok, Chinese company can do whatever they want to do. Creators are still on there creating more because TikTok has this wonderful algorithm. And then here's YouTube and Twitch and all these other companies that are saying, oh my gosh, well, TikTok's not paying nothing. Maybe we can switch ours. So now you're going to see this happen for the next six months. All these uh, creator-friendly revenue deals are going away. And if you're shocked by that, where have you been? We've been talking about this stuff happening for 10 years on this show. Because they have all the power to do that, and they will continue to do that, and they will get you to sign up and be a creator and build a lot of followers on these platforms. And then as soon as you feel comfortable and you're like, great, I can actually make a living doing this, they're going to pull the carpet from underneath you and say, oh, sorry, that was a temp deal. Now we're going to, here's the real deal, it's 5% or 10% or 15%. So if you've learned anything by this, and this is for content marketers as well as creators, you need to start Looking at your fail safe. If you're on YouTube and you got a big subscriber base, you better start figuring out a way to move it somewhere else that you can control. That's why you and I have been so bullish about the Web3 thing. Imperfections and all, it's better. If you look at email, is better. Uh, controlled membership sites are better because you actually have control over it. YouTube can do whatever they want. TikTok, Twitch, all of them. So that's my take on it. Uh, this is just the first... You know, we've covered these kind of things the last few shows. You're going to see an avalanche of these moves happening where they don't have to care. The creators are still going to create content on those platforms. And if you're a big, what we talked about was the last week about Twitch and you had a a million creator streamers that that stream about uh, gambling content. Well, they can't do that anymore because Twitch said a no-no. You can't do that. Okay, well, what are they going to do? They can't do anything. You're, you're helpless. You can't complain. They can do whatever they want to do. So it's your decision whether you want to play that yeah. game or not. Yeah. Reach is gold. That's that's the entire thing. Reach is It always has been in the world of marketing, the world of advertising, the world of you know product marketing. Reach into your addressable market is 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 gold you know and there's a reason they call it the addressable market because it's you know which ones can you address and you know and so if you if you're depending on somebody else to address it then you know they you are their product not the other way around so uh yeah they're gonna this i mean amazon did the same thing by the way you know in its huge hockey stick growth with commerce providers right small mom and pops you know it you know you're gonna go build a storefront on amazon well, you're going to pay, right? You're going to pay for that, you know, that leased land and, and you're going to pay and, and then, they, you know, and they're going to change the deal on you and you just hope that they don't change it any further. It's uh, it, it is an it is a old tried and true business model 
Um, and it's, you know, I mean, by the way, malls did this back in the day. You know, malls would do this, you know, in terms of revenue shares. All kinds of places would do this back in the revenue, you know, the, the, with any kind of revenue sharing on, you know, rented land, quote unquote. Yep. And this is, this is going to be no difference in the world of media. Did, did I ever tell you? I don't know if I shared the story with you. I was on stage at the Marketing Rockstar event in Hamburg, and I was given my presentation. This, by the way, that was an incredible concert. Uh, it felt like a concert. There were like <laughs> 7,000, 10,000 people. That was the biggest crowd that I've ever done a keynote for. And I was right before Ellie Golding. So that tells you the the, okay, the, yeah, the people. Sure. And I remember that's the one they sent a car that's for. That's right. You, right. I had a name like, on the side of my car. It was fantastic. Yeah, I love yeah. the whole thing. Um, so I'm going to give my presentation and I'm going through the subscriber hierarchy, as you know, where I would say, okay, at the top of the yes, subscriber the hierarchy. Yay boost scale. Yeah, yeah. Email subscribers, podcasts, and then down at the bottom is YouTube and TikTok and Twitch and all that stuff. Well, there was like right. a commentary panel next to me that was on the side of the stage and and i didn't know this but it was like the head of youtube germany or something was there and i'm saying <laughs> right move off and they're they question they're like are you telling people to move off of youtube i've said no, no no i'm not saying that at all i'm saying you know and i felt like oh my this is this is not good did i just make a big mistake here i said all these things are good all those followers, fans, and everything, they're good. If you've got programs and they're working for you, they're good. But I said to the person at YouTube, I said, but you are making all the decisions. You control the algorithm. You control the distribution. You control the content usage. You control everything. And as a creator, I am at your mercy. That's it. That's all I'm saying. And it's like, I will continue to right. use YouTube, but I better have a plan B because you might say, I don't like you anymore. I don't like your content. Right. I want to change all the rules. So you can, that's... And they didn't really say anything back to me, but I'm sure they weren't happy. But I just thought that was that just came to mind. But it's true. It's true. Yeah. No. No. It's a, that's absolutely true. And you and, and and truth be told, you were being very nice because you kind of are right. You kind of are saying it. At some point, you know what you want to move away from YouTube, and <clears throat> certainly as a place to collect your audience, but more as a place. You know, it's it it becomes just a video distribution platform, not not a place to collect audience. That's the... But you know what? It's, it's, that's the real... And here's, yeah. here's the thing. I mean, the same thing with real estate, right? It's like, I always believe that it's always best to own, but in some situations, it's best to rent and lease. If Maybe if, if you, depending on your business model, go ahead, lease that land at YouTube. Rent it. That's all good. Well, sure. It might yeah. work for you. I mean, we, as, as we've said... Hundreds of times to the critique of our little statement of don't build your home on rented land, the italicized bold word in that is home, right? Don't build your home on rented yes. land. Build on rented land all you want. It's a promotion, you know, you know, build it to the, as a flow to your owned media channels, build it as a way to get reach into audiences that you haven't been able to reach before. But ultimately, you need to be able to address those people and that needs to be a flow. And in other words, I'd rather have one YouTube subscriber and have the 10 or 20 people that look at my YouTube video flow through to my website and sign up for my newsletter. It's a much preferable That's thing. right. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next story. Wow, we're 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 kind of ranting about all sorts of oh, things here, and not is, really even talking about the news. It's, yes, it's, this it's, is it's fun. Sorry, this gang, is, this is the show totally. now. I don't yeah. know if uh, our yeah. listeners <laughs> we really don't cover anything anymore. We just you know rant the entire time. Yeah, we, we just <laughs> rant, 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 rant. If we were better at okay, impersonations, well, this fun. we would do rants and impersonations. But you know, those we can't. We're not great. Rants at and impersonations. That's what. That's what. We all right. Do. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe we'll try that in the rants and rave section. Okay. Um, this comes courtesy of TechCrunch, uh, and this is about Be Real, the social media network that has well, we've talked a little bit about. You actually experimented with a little bit, um, and the headline here is: Didn't you? I thought you did the Be Real. I thing did. For, oh no no, for a day I did. I did. Yeah. I went on hey, Be Real. Okay. I signed up, and it said yeah. find your friends, and I had no friends. <laughs> It's a and true story. No Nobody else. In yeah. my, I, I loaded up all my, I don't know, I had like 10,000 contacts. I'm like, okay, somebody's got to be out there and be real. No, there was nobody. Yeah. No. I, nobody. Boomer, boomer moment funny. right there. 
There it is. That is a boomer moment. All right. So the headline here from TechCrunch is Be Real reportedly considers paid features in lieu of advertisements. Uh, maybe because nobody's on it and none of Joe Polizzi's friends are on it. Uh, the article opens up by saying the viral photo sharing app Be Real. Is it really viral if nobody's on it? No, anyway. no, no. They're looking, um, you, nobody's my. I know. Nobody they're, I'm about to read the second sentence here and it's going to thing it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it has accomplished something incredible. It quickly racked up 15 million users. Yes. Okay. That's for real. Be real. Uh, in a super saturated social market, it's so popular that Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat have all released new features that capitalize on what makes Be Real shine. It's front and back camera setup and it's anti-addictive once per day post gimmick. Be Real is only two years old, operating off its $30 million Series A, led by Andreessen Horowitz and Excel. Unlike the social apps with billions of users that are trying to copy it, Be Real has not yet figured out how to monetize yet. According to a report from the Financial Times, the app is looking toward paid features or subscriptions for income, as opposed to inundating users with ads. Be Real's founders, Alexis Barriat and Kevin Perot, are notoriously tight-lipped about the app. They have not yet given an on-the-record interview with press. TechCrunch reached out to the company to confirm, but didn't get a response. The article goes on very, very quickly here to basically say that others are trying to get copycat sort of features in there. Um, and so it's really time for them to figure out how to monetize this thing before they get copycatted out of existence. What do you think? I, If I'm... Be Real's operators, I'm probably ready to pitch this thing now, but maybe they want want this to be the real thing. It's an interesting, uh, it's funny because uh, Brian Piper, who's my co-author, fr- friend and co-author on the you know next version of yeah. Epic Content Marketing, he actually just did sign up for Be Real. I think he was doing something with his kids and the, and I was on a Be Real. So I didn't get on my own Be Real, but I got on his, which is interesting, basically every day, so just so people know. It will ping you and say, now's the time. So you have to take a picture front and back of what you're doing at that particular time. Now, regarding this business model on looking for revenue from subscribers, I think it goes back to what I was just talking about. There's less sponsorship that's going to happen in the next 12 to 18 months. For whatever god-awful reason the Fed has in the United States, they are going to put the United States into a severe recession. It, it's. I think we're already in recession. I think they're just going to keep pushing and pushing until we're way, way into recession. That means sponsorship dollars are going to dry up. Maybe there's a better opportunity to monetize a platform through subscriber uh, subscription generation. So if you had 15 million paying users in some, well, I don't know what it'd be, even three bucks a month or something. And you and I have talked about Twitter. I can. I think Twitter's business model is made for user payment. Big users would absolutely sign up. You, you, we would sign up. We talked about it on this show. I don't know what it would cost, but I would, I would make sure. I've, I've got a few followers on Twitter. I would want to keep access with that. I would pay absolutely to do that. I think this is something that a lot of the social media companies are going to start to look at. Good for Be Real on trying it out, but I think it also has to lead with the fact that they wouldn't be looking at this if it was so easy to sell sponsorships. They would or, or, uh, digital advertising. It is going away very, very quickly. Not going away. You're going to see a negative for the next 12 months for sponsorship dollars. There's been a number of articles out there around it in media that sponsorships are not what they were 12 months ago. So good for be real. Yeah. I think there's a model here. So, uh, so I'm going to take the opposite tack. Right. So um, I I think exactly the opposite of that, which is. I think Be Real is this year's clubhouse. Um, and I think it it's a feature looking for a business model. And I think it'll be easily, that feature, that neat once a day feature becomes something that is easily duplicable by any of the other programs. And if it, ta- if it, you know, if it takes off, right? So instead of Instagram stories, you now have, Instagram be real, right? Which is, you know, sort of just another layer there, which says, hey, if you want to subscribe to all your friends, sort of be real moments, there you go. It's a feed. It's basically, you know, a separate feed for, for, for your Instagram or your Facebook, which is cute. But it, you know, we, and we talked about this at the launch, it doesn't lend itself to advertising because it's not 
you know, you're not talking about content that's really sponsorable. It's content that's meant to be into a small audience. It's content that's literally meant to be between you and your friends and family just to show that, you know, what's going on. Then couple that with the trend, the TikTok trend, which is all of the Instagram and Facebook, you know, platforms are looking at, which is, you know, basically forced content that are not your friends and family. And, you know, the Kardashians are worried about that. And, you know, and all, you know, you can start to see it even in your Facebook feed. I don't know about you, but my Facebook feed is starting to become more and more and more populated with stuff. That, oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, a they changed the, they changed the algorithm yeah. months ago. Yes. And so I think they're I think they're working against too much headwinds here. Right. The trend of content is not going their way. The trend of sponsorship dollars is definitely not there going their way. And this is not a differentiated business. This is simply like Clubhouse, a feature that should be part of a bigger platform. It, you, you may, even though you've never used Be Real before and you're making this, <laughs> this prediction, you may be correct. The difference is where Instagram, Facebook and of course, TikTok is going all full-blown content discovery. It's not social media. Be Real is actually social media. It's actually me communicating with a small group of people and having conversations about that. Where are you? What are you doing? All that kind of... That's actual social media. Every other platform is moving away from social media. So that's where they might have an... Agreed. And by the way, they haven't done a Clubhouse. Clubhouse did that... Remember what was it? Last February when they had that huge run-up and they like quadrupled their members in a very short period of time. They're like, oh my God, four, we talked about it on the show, $4 billion valuation and the whole thing. Well, Be Real hasn't done that. They've just, they've kept it. You you have to go ahead and apply to get on or whatever. It takes a while. They're only at 15 million. It's very, very small, but they're growing every month. So I don't think that they've done and, that and jump it, the shark. And it may end up being a very niche player, but I just don't see how Snap or Instagram or Facebook doesn't just go, oh, we could do that, you know, and we could just offer it as, this, you know, you've got, you know, you've got Facebook groups, you've got your Facebook stories, you've got your Facebook shorts, and you've got your Facebook, you know, Be Real Network, right? Yeah. You know, I'm just making that up, but obviously, but your Be Real Network is, oh, you click into that and you see that feed, which is just the daily post from your, you know, your friends and family. You absolutely it's an, it's an, could be right. Yeah. The problem is, is that the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Snapchats of the world are trying to beat TikTok. They could care agreed. less about being totally real right now. Exactly. And if they want to go exactly. that direction, they can't go back. You, you're, you're going to content discovery. It's very hard to go back into social media. So people think that Instagram is a social media program, and it used to be. Social media is not or um, Instagram is not social media. It's content discovery because it wants to be TikTok. Right. And TikTok is That's all right. content discovery. All I'm suggesting is, is that the technology behind this is child's play to any of those bigger platforms. And so they could even have the technology developed and they'll sit and watch. They just sit on the sidelines and watch. And if it starts to take off, they launch it. If it doesn't, they don't. It's just, you know, it's, yeah. You're, you're, hey, I, I think you have hey, a valid I, point. It's not going oh, to be. Oh, thank you. It's not, thank you. It's, it's so nice to be validated by you. Of course. I, I, I don't I think really, it's going, I yeah. don't think you're going to end up being right about this one. But <laughs> I was right about Clubhouse, so. <laughs> I don't, I think the jury's still out on Clubhouse. No. I, I don't. Oh, God. It's not, we go back to the Disney it's thing It's only again. mostly dead. It's not It's only dead. mostly dead. It's yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Let's actually get to our rants and rave section here where you and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like, you know, Instagram. By the way, we didn't talk about how Instagram and Facebook have, have, have I mean, I don't know that there's a lot of not safe for work discussion here, but they, they, they literally kicked Pornhub off of the, both platforms, basically saying they continually, you know, violated terms of service. And I don't know how they did, but they, I, apparently they did. I think you know how so they did. Makes us, I mean... Well, maybe. Right. I mean, uh, maybe. Uh, you know, I don't follow it, so it, it, I didn't really see any of the content. <laughs> he said with a big, big doe eyes, you know, I didn't see any of that. See, today um, we're talking about online gambling and Pornhub, and tomorrow we're talking about you, the listener. They're going to make all the decisions. They are part of the whole Big right. Brother scheme. I'm going to keep going on a rant. This is... Yeah. Take away all your. Well, speaking of which, do you want to go first or shall I go first on this rant and rave thing? I'm totally making this. Yeah, you just continue on. Just Um, continue on. Yeah, so I've got two things to talk about. 
the first thing is I'm working on an article. I'm going to put it on the tilt pretty soon, but I, I have really under the belief now, I want to get your take on this, Robert. I'm under the belief that inside the next three years that TikTok will be banned in the United States. And this is why I'm very concerned for TikTok creators, because I think we're building this thing up. And I think that, and the, the, this is the other reason, this is not going to make any sense, but you'll go with me on this one. Apple just made a big announcement that they're going to switch their supply chain and, and a lot of their component creation from China to India. That's a big deal. Yeah, that is a big so deal. So they're moving from China. More and more U.S.-based companies are moving from China to Venezuela, to Mexico, to India, anywhere else but China. This is the, the, the continuation of what has been a mini Cold War with China. China has already, I mean, as most of us know, they've already banned every social media platform in the United States. And if you want to run anything, you've got to run some whatever stripped down that the Chinese government will have you do and that's it you, you but they consider what's interesting is the chinese government considers all these social platforms part of national security we don't in the united states well here's tiktok a chinese run company that is becoming that will become at some point the number one social media slash content discovery platform in north america this is the information and the data that the Chinese government has on what's going on here is huge. Now, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to throw out like conspiracy theories here, but this is a thing. So China considers this national security, but we don't. But there's a lot of people in the government right now that are very, very concerned about this. I'm calling three years from this point, maybe less. So September of 2025, TikTok will be no more. And I'm telling you this as marketers and content creators. I think it's going to be a thing. So just be careful if you're going all in on TikTok that you might not have access in a little bit. So I want to get your, I want to get your take on that. But the, the next thing I want to talk about is I, I talked about this at Content Marketing World. I've shared it on this episode or, uh, I don't know, a couple episodes back. On the Prof G podcast, he talked about you know all the different shows, and you and I listened to him. He's got his market show, he's got his Q&A office hour show, and he's got his regular interview. And I thought that that model was super interesting in the fact that he created one podcast stream and launched basically has four different shows going in it. So with our My Content Inc. podcast, which is my Monday morning, five-minute content creation podcast stuff that I'll talk about, we decided to launch a podcast on that platform. So Darren Smith and I from Craftsman Creative, uh, we launched the 10K Creator Podcast. It just launched this week. You can go to contentinc.io and check it out or 10kcreatorshow.com and check it out. But basically, it's a 10-episode new podcast that we're launching. But instead of launching it on a brand new platform and doing all the things like a new podcast, I launched it within the Content Inc. platform because I wanted to actually steal this idea from Scott Galloway and see if it was going to work. It's only been, it's been less than 24 hours since we launched this thing. But already, you know, we've got thousands of downloads, whatever, that we would have never had because it's on a platform that already has an audience. Yep. I think this is a really smart play for a lot of content creators out there. Instead of launching something brand new, maybe you do something on your own podcast on a different platform if you're a sponsor if you want to do something new maybe you create something on their platform anyways i think that's a thing so i, w I wanted to get that out there because i'm really proud of that show i think people are going to love it we've got some real great support from from lulu and convertkit and uh, Streamyard to make that happen but what do you think about the tiktok thing is that do you think that's going to happen or no i do I, I I really do. I think you're going to see, you know, uh, I, I, I would agree with you that you're going to see some form of prohibition at some point, um, whether it lasts or not, who knows? Uh, it's, it's hard, it's hard to really tell. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, well, and I've said before, I've gone on record as saying that I think regardless of whether it gets prohibited or, or some sort of uh, restrictions get placed on it, TikTok is due for a, a reckoning of some kind. You have um, said that on the show. I, you have. Yeah. Yep. And so I, I think you're going to start to see a, a pullback at some point 
from from TikTok. And and you know, as a consumer, not a creator on it, I, you know, I don't care. Um, but uh, but I, I think it'll be really interesting for those who who are who are leveraging it to a great deal. Yeah. Good. Well, we're we're basically anti all the platforms on this show. <laughs> <laughs> there you and go. Except we love podcasting, but everything else terrible, we do. Terrible. We love podcasts. We love email. We love we love our owned yeah. media. That is there. There is no doubt about How that. How about your uh, um, and quickly rates. and speaking of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's speaking of owned media and email. I have a very quick rant uh, here. Not that this has just been a ranty show, but but yeah, it the I want to rant a little bit about the the Democratic uh, Congressional Committee and their email program, their email marketing program. And if anybody in the audience knows anybody there or whatever, just tell them to please just stop. Uh, they are, and you know, here's the thing, I. I part of me, and I can't find any data on this, by the way, or at least I haven't really found any any valid data on this of whether it's working for them, because you do have, you know, there are there is some argument to be made, kind of like the Reddit argument or kind of like the, you know, the Craigslist, the old Craigslist argument that ugly and awful and bad copy can win. Um but they are just, they're taking that to a whole different level, which is their email program. I'm, I'm getting, I've been, until I unsubscribed literally yesterday, I was getting four and five emails per day from them. Um, and I signed up, I didn't sign up for their email address, by the way. I got put on their email address because I made a donation to a candidate and then started getting these emails. And the emails, the subject lines are so awful because they're, there's this it's this clickbaity sort of everything the sky is falling the world is coming apart somebody's outraged I, another person is outraged somebody has tears in their eyes somebody has coughed up blood i'm you know it's a, whatever the, the headline is for the particular email it's always a dire and the world is about to explode and what it did was over the course of you know about a week or two weeks it just numbed me. I just didn't care anymore. And the, I started not caring about the issues that they are so desperately, you know, trying to trying to get me to care about. So it's just a great lesson in email marketing for marketers to me about how not to do this, how not to basically numb your your audience into submission. Now, again, I'm going to put a big star here because very much like pop-ups on websites, you know, as I've, I promised to one of my close, close marketing friends who has been a CMO for years and years, I said, I promise you, I will never use a pop-up because I hate them. I absolutely hate pop-ups on websites that ask me to subscribe. And I've never, and I've held true to that promise, but I know they work. That's the thing. It's like, I, I hate them with the passion of a thousand sons, but I also know that they work. This might be true here as well. So take my advice with a grain of salt. I absolutely hate what they've done here, but maybe it's working. I don't think it is, and I think they're awful, and I think they're just it's just the worst kind of email marketing out there. But it'll be interesting to see if somebody corrects me on social media and says, no, 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 it's actually working. So, you know, shut up. So anyway, that's my rant. If it's working, it's a sad state that we're in. That's all I have it to is. say. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've, and I'm going to continue to look and see if the, if I can find out if it's working for them. But man, does it look amateur hour. It just it just absolutely reeks of amateur hour. It's, but, I, you know, it's interesting. I was talking. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit political, but I think it's OK. I was talking with my son about who's who's definitely leans way, way left. Like I wouldn't say liberal, but way, way left but has a problem with the Democratic Party because he says every stance they have, they're screaming at somebody doing something horrible. It's like they never have a take yeah. like, let's do this is really important. We need to do like these, you, these people are awful. These We've got to stand. It's always a fight against what, in this case, right. the right is doing. And he's like, they need that's their right. own platform that's not anti-right. I'm like, that's right. you are correct, sir. They do. You want to hear, so he, uh, here's here's a here's a very quick funny story. So my wife, uh, she wanted to register as an independent, and in California, uh, and so she registered. I don't know four or five years ago, 
um, for, and I'm going to, I'm going to mess up the name. So forgive me, but it's something like the American independent, you know, uh, you know, coalition or something okay. like that, you know, so she, it was just, literally, she checked a box. So it was like, oh, this is the independent, this is the independent box. So she checked that box. Well, as it turns out, the party that she registered to be part of is sort of this right-wing Nazi party. <laughs> so, so she started getting emails. <laughs> she started getting emails, you know, from, from that group, you know, so, you know, about Trump and about, you know, the, you know, the white isolationists and, you know, I mean, just, it just, I mean, you know, the national party and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, why? You know, she was like in tears, like, why am I getting these emails? And then she went and researched this party that she had accidentally sort of registered for. And she went, oh, I get it. <laughs> she looked up their Wikipedia and she was like, ah, got it. So she had to quickly go and change her affiliation to literally independent, which is basically no affiliation at all. It's it's fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's that's. Yeah. Oh, got to got to watch yourself when you're when you're checking. Yeah, out you really those. do. They could, yeah. be, they could call yeah. themselves yeah. anything. So, all right, yeah. sir. What do you have? Uh, what do you have going on here? I, you know, I I'm feeling wonderful about the fourth quarter here. Uh, it seems like the world has finally woken up and said, "Let's get to work." Uh, so we are being blessed with a lot of new client engagement. So I'm busy, um, really busy. And like you, I'm about to be on the road uh, a couple of times in uh, October and November um, for speaking engagements. And I have one on Monday here in Los Angeles, which is an odd thing. I'm at speaking at Digital Summit Los Angeles. Uh, and um, and then, you know, I'm in Marketing Profs in Boston in a couple of weeks. So you and I all have some fun trying to coordinate schedules for our on the road stuff, but uh, yeah, feeling good. A lot of work to do. Yeah, it's uh, you. We were talking about my travel schedule before. This is the craziest it's been since probably 2019. So I'll be, I'll be in five, six, seven different cities in the next ten days. Ten, no, next fourteen days. So it's gonna be fun. It's gonna. I love it. There it is. I love the it's hotel experience. Yeah. Uh, Very excited about You're- this. It should be. Coffee mugs and brawny. That's that's, <laughs> that's the. It. There's your name it. of your I show. Got the whole thing. That, there's the name of your show. Coffee mugs and brawny. Love it. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, folks, that's it. Um, by the way, if you want to hashtag us up on the Twitter or any of the other social media networks, we would love that. We love those story ideas. Uh, thanks to all of you who submitted story ideas this last week. Really, really appreciate that conversation. Also, by the way, all the the love that we get on social media, just sharing out our titles and all of our nonsense. So thank you for all of those wonderful things. Continue. Keep it up. Let's go. Hashtag us up at This Old Marketing. And by the way, you can always get the show notes to the links that we'll provide. And by the way, we'll put in the links for the other stuff too that we didn't get time to get to um, if you're interested in some of those other stories. Uh, And uh, by the way, you could dive into any of the other 342 episodes uh, at our website, thisoldmarketing.site. And until then, until next week, and we figure out when the heck we're going to actually record this (laughs) thing with Joe being on the road, just remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.